Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The Vegas Golden Knights may be Stanley Cup champions, and the Denver Nuggets may be kings of the basketball world. That doesn't mean there aren't dozens of props, odds, promos, and parlays available for you right now at BetOnline Sportsbook. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, with the link in the description to this episode to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first bet. Whether it's baseball, MMA, boxing, Boxing, WNBA, golf, or anything in between, a 50% welcome bonus is available for you. Bet online where the game starts. Morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose. And we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. It is a fantabulous Wednesday, June 28th. Not quite July yet. Wednesday, June 28th according to my count, but it might actually be July, according to your count, because it's a podcast. You might be listening later on in the week, you might be listening next week, or you might be listening even further beyond that. But for my count, it's June 28th, 2023, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in and spend your time here with us. We've got a great show planned for you today. We are talking about one NBA transaction in particular that caught my eye over the weekend. And we did our NBA draft show on Tuesday. We're starting out this new format of three days a week with long form podcast topics. And so today I wanted to take a deep dive into one trade in particular, and that is the Kristaps Porzingis trade. And there's three interesting aspects of the Kristaps Porzingis trade that I want to analyze. The first is the trade that didn't actually come to be, but we thought was going to be the initial trade. The second is from the Boston Celtics perspective. And the third point is from the Memphis Grizzlies perspective, the quiet third team that was involved in this trade package. And I want to start off by talking about the trade that didn't happen in the first place. Because it was looking like a perfect deal for everyone involved. Boston was going to get Kristaps Porzingis on a one-year, $36 million contract before Jalen Brown's contract extension kicks in, before Jason Tatum's Supermax extension kicks in. They were going to have a perfect contract for one year with a mercenary Kristaps Porzingis going to his fourth team in five years while playing at 
borderline fringe all-star level, and they were going to get a fringe all-star at a discount. It looked like Boston was going to get a fringe all-star at a discount. Malcolm Brogdon was going to get traded to the Clippers for the number 30 pick in the NBA draft. Boston was going to use that number 30 pick to then acquire Kristaps Porzingis. Marcus Morris was going to go to Washington as a salary filler. Boston or the Washington Wizards were essentially going to get a first round pick and a second round pick in exchange for Kristaps Porzingis and everyone was going to be happy with the trade. I mean, maybe not Marcus Morris, who would have to go to the purgatory of Washington, but Marcus Morris has a giant contract. So at the very least, he gets to be salary filler and go play on Washington with Jordan Poole. It looked like everything was working out swimmingly until Malcolm Brogdon had the failed medicals and that trade ended up blowing up. But uh, Boston came back to the table and renegotiated a trade with Memphis being involved as the third team. And I first saw that trade, and I'm like, wow, this trade is going to be absolutely perfect. It's going to be perfect for Boston, who's going to get a mercenary on a one-year contract. It's going to be perfect for the Clippers, who get to exchange a first-round pick for Malcolm Brogdon. And as a team that doesn't give a single shit about the luxury tax, because Steve Ballmer has made it clear as one of the... 50 richest people in the world that Steve Ballmer does not care about your luxury taxes. Steve Ballmer does not care about paying a $250 million salary cap and a $250 million luxury tax to lose money on the Clippers. They've talked about trading Paul George, but ultimately they're going to keep an expensive Paul George and expensive Kawhi Leonard as the focal point of that team. And they're going to surround those guys with players who, for the most part, are on larger contracts because they can afford to not only sign more mid-level, um, sign more middle-class players in the NBA, the Clippers can also afford to make more mistakes. Marcus Morris's contract is looking like a bit of a mistake for the Clippers. He's only got one year left on the deal, but it was looking like a $17 million mistake when they traded, I want to say, a first-round pick with the Knicks to acquire Marcus Morris and then signed him to what I believe was a two- or three-year contract extension. And that one was looking like a mistake. They traded for Eric Gordon from Houston, who's making $20 million for two seasons. Eric Gordon is a nice player to come off the bench, but on very few teams could he make $20 million and them still afford to put a competitive product on the court, especially given Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both on $46 million a year Supermax contracts. I shouldn't say Supermax, they're really just regular Max, but they own their bird, right? It's all convoluted, but... On very few teams could their seventh man make $20 million and the Clippers still be able to field a competitive team while not really getting a lot of value anywhere else. I mean, Terrence Mann has been a really good value play, but they just signed him to a $11 million a year extension. He was a guy who was making uh, in the early, uh, I think like $1.8 million the year that he put up. 48 point or 41 points in a playoff game to eliminate the Utah Jazz a couple of years ago. Like that was one of the great value picks of the last few years, but the Clippers because they traded all their draft picks, because they traded Shy Gilgis Alexander to Oklahoma City, 
because their pick swaps belong to Oklahoma City, the Clippers have made the call that because they cannot add through the draft or add through the second round, they're going to get players that are in the middle class of the NBA. They're going to trade for Nick Batum and sign him to an $11 million a year contract for two seasons. They're going to trade for Norman Powell and Robert Covington just because Portland doesn't want to pay their salaries. And Norman Powell's going to make $72 million over four years. Yeah, we'll pay that. We'll take that contract on. Portland doesn't want it, we'll take it, Robert, especially because Norman Powell and Kawhi Leonard are homies from their time in Toronto. Robert Covington, we'll take him as a salary filler, three seasons, whatever, we'll take him. He's a ninth man on the bench, we'll pay him $11 million, it's fine. Zubac, we'll re-sign him for $10 million a year, like the Clippers have made the call that they are cool going over luxury taxes, and because of that, they were totally fine trading a first-round pick that they swapped with, it was like a pick swap with the Bucks via another team, but they were totally cool trading the 30th pick in the NBA draft for Malcolm Brogdon, even with Malcolm Brogdon's alleged medical issues, which apparently ended up nixing the trade with the Clippers at the end, but they were totally cool paying $20 million a year for Malcolm Brogdon as their sixth man, $20 million a year for Eric Gordon as their seventh man, $11 million a year for Robert Covington to come off the bench and sometimes not play. Uh, $72 million, $18 million a year for Norman Powell, who's kind of like their starting three at this stage of the game. It's been very interesting to see how they've concocted and put together that roster with the Clippers, and they were totally fine with trading a first-round pick for Malcolm Brogdon. By the way, the Wizards valued a first-round pick at number 30 more than they valued having to extend Kristaps Porzingis because like we talked about last week with the Bradley Beal trade, the Washington Wizards rebuild is not going to have the same level of draft capital that other teams have, even though that Bradley Beal trade ended up being way better than we thought it was going to be. They got six second round picks, four pick swaps from the, the Phoenix Suns. That trade ended up working out not terribly for the Washington Wizards, given what they were trading for Bradley Beal. The fact that they got every Phoenix Suns second round pick, and granted, second round picks are going to change hands four or five times before they end up getting drafted. We noticed that this year when we were doing our live draft show. It was like, this pick belonged to Charlotte via Boston, via Sacramento, via Detroit and New Orleans. Like, second-round picks are going to change hands all the time. One, because they're more valuable under the current CBA rules. You can get first-round value at second-round prices, and second-round prices in the NBA means non-guaranteed contracts, and that can be extremely valuable for a team like the Miami Heat, who built their team around undrafted players, for a team like Boston, who built their team around second-round picks and late first-round guys around the two stars of Brown and Tatum, Robert Williams was a late first round pick. Um, Malcolm Brogdon was obviously a former second round pick who they were able to trade for. Grant Williams was a late first round pick. The value of the second round picks has gone up. And so the fact that the Wizards walked away with so many of them from the Suns gives them a lot of flexibility going forward. But again, not as much flexibility as Utah, who can just take on John Collins's contract and still have as many as 13 first-round picks over the next six years, or say the, the uh, not the, oh, say the Oklahoma City Thunder, that was the team I was thinking of, where they have all the Clippers draft picks. Like, yeah, the Wizards don't have that, but they do have some flexibility to work with with a dozen second-round picks and the first-rounder that they got for the, um, 
for the trade that finalized for Porzingis. They don't get to use it this year, but for the trade that finally came to fruition from the Porzingis trade, they got an extra first-round pick and got the pick swaps for Bradley Beal and will probably get a first-round pick from the Warriors for Chris Paul because it's like a 2030 first-round pick, but it's protected in the lottery, so they will probably eventually get a first-round pick for Chris Paul, which essentially operates as getting an extra first-round pick for Bradley Beal, and who knows, maybe someone will trade them something of value for Jordan Poole in a year or something like that. But Washington ended up walking away pretty good in that deal, and it looked like they were going to be totally fine trading Porzingis for a first-round pick and then taking on Marcus Morris, who on an expiring contract would have some sort of value maybe throughout the league. And obviously that trade ended up blowing up. They didn't end up getting their guy, and what they ultimately ended up coming to a deal on was the deal with Memphis that sent Porzingis to Boston, sent... Tyus Jones to Washington, which by the way, I think someone's going to trade for Tyus Jones here pretty soon. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, someone has traded for Tyus Jones, but I was surprised that Memphis traded him and two first round picks to acquire Marcus Marcus Smart. And granted, Marcus Smart was traded for some late first round picks, like it was the 25th pick and a future Memphis pick that probably won't hold a ton of value, but They still gave up two first-round picks and Tyus Jones, who I think is worth a first-round pick. So they gave up three late first-round picks worth of value to acquire Marcus Smart. And we'll talk about them uh, in a little bit, but what I thought was so interesting about the trade was the biggest part of the deal, which was ultimately Boston getting Marcus uh, Christoph's Porzingis, sorry, Mar- Boston getting Christoph's Porzingis. By the way, just to follow up, the Grizzlies traded the Warriors' first-round pick next year to Boston, which that pick was going to be a middle-of-the-first-round type of guy. I don't know if I would have traded two first-round picks, which was ultimately the 25th pick in this year's draft and the Warriors' pick next year. I don't know if I would have traded all of that for... Marcus Smart, and obviously uh, I think Danilio Gallinari was part of that deal, and um, just to make the money work, I'm trying to remember if they went to Washington or to Memphis. Out of Yeah, they, they had to go to Washington to make the money work on that trade, but I was kind of surprised that they gave up what they did in exchange for Marcus Smart coming over to the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll talk about that in a minute, but the first thing I want to talk about is the Porzingis side of things. A few weeks ago, when we were doing our NBA Finals shows, one of the podcasts we put out was called Why the Boston Celtics Are Not a Failure. And if you want to scroll back through the archives of the show, I believe it's from three weeks ago now, so you can find that episode on... June 1st, it was literally the day of the NBA Finals Game 1. On the day of the NBA Finals Game 1, first day of the month, we put out a podcast, Why the Boston Celtics Are Not a Failure. And the reason that we said the Boston Celtics are not a failure is because they have gone to the Conference Finals with four different cores of their team in the last seven years. They went there when Isaiah Thomas was the best player on their team, and their second leading scorer was Avery Bradley. So that was just Isaiah Thomas willing the Celtics to the conference finals. And yes, they got 
swept by Cleveland, and yes, Isaiah Thomas injured his hip and was never the same. They made it to the conference finals with Isaiah Thomas and dudes. And then they made the conference finals with a team that was supposed to be built around Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. And when by the time they got there, they came within one game of the NBA Finals in one of the weakest Eastern conferences of all time, but they came within one game of the NBA Finals with Terry Rozier and 19-year-old Jason Tatum as their two best players in terms of production because Hayward had broken his ankle, Kyrie was out for the playoffs. Scary Terry Rozier and 19-year-old Jason Tatum were the two most productive players on a team that came within one game of making it to the NBA Finals. And then in the bubble year, two years later, there was no more uh, Kyrie Irving. They had signed Kemba Walker. And the 23-year-old Jalen Brown and 22-year-old Jason Tatum were learning how to become stars. And it was a team that was built around Tatum, Brown, Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward. And then there were a couple other guys, like obviously they had uh, Daniel Tice during that run and a couple other people, but that was the core of your team, was Tatum, Brown, Kemba was supposed to be the number one, he ended up being the number three, and Gordon Hayward as the number four. And then Kemba's gone, then Gordon Hayward's gone, then the supporting cast is completely brand new around a now 25-year-old Jason Tate, 25-year-old uh, Jalen Brown, 25-year-old, 24-year-old Jason Tatum, and the 25-year-old Jalen Brown and the 24-year-old Jason Tatum not only went to the NBA Finals last year, they came back this year, had the best team in the NBA in terms of efficiency rating, in terms of offensive rating, in terms of uh, win lo- expected win-loss record, in terms of SRS ranking, which for those who don't know, SRS ranking is if you took every team in the league, had them play a league average opponent on a neutral court, what would the point spread of that game be? Boston would be the largest favorite of any team in the NBA, suggesting they were the best team in the NBA last season. And the Boston Celtics weren't going to trade Jalen Brown and they weren't going to blow this whole thing up because they were one of the best teams in the NBA. Their best chance of winning an NBA championship is by giving Jason Tatum, a guy who's on the fringes of being a generational star, giving Jason Tatum the best possible supporting cast he could receive. Under the best of circumstances, Jason Tatum might be good enough to win you an NBA championship. They've given him a second all-star and a second all-NBA teammate in Jalen Brown. They have provided the best defense, one of the best defenses in NBA history. The 2022 team was one of the best defenses in NBA history. And last year, they had the best they, had, they were the only team in the NBA that had a top four offensive and defensive rating in the entire sport. And all the advanced analytics suggest they were the best team in the NBA last season. And for two seasons, Boston has been one of the three best teams in the NBA at every point. And they continue to build a strong supporting cast around one of the fringe all fringe superstars of the NBA in Jalen Brown because 
they have be- their window has passed. The best chance for the Boston Celtics to win a championship was the 2022 season and then this year when they were playing the Miami Heat in the conference finals with a chance to play the Denver Nuggets in the NBA finals. That was the best chance Boston had. It was when they were th- within two games of winning an NBA championship playing on their home court in 2022. And this year when they had the Miami Heat in the conference finals and could have played Denver, a team of equal standing to them in an NBA finals rematch, their chances of winning the finals aren't going to get better than that for Boston. They were the best team in the league last year in the regular season. They had a team that was within two games of winning the championship in 2022. There ain't going to be a better chance to win a championship than those two years for Boston. But what they're doing is that they're keeping the window open. They're bringing in a mercenary one-year player in Kristaps Porzingis. And, by the way, there was a chance that they were going to get Porzingis while only having to give up Malcolm Brogdon on an expiring contract. So they basically would have upgraded from Brogdon to Porzingis while keeping the rest of the team relatively intact and at the end of the day they ultimately had to trade Marcus Smart to make it happen and while Marcus Smart definitely did not deserve the defensive player of the year in 2022 that should have been Robert Williams award because they just the award should have gone to the Celtics team defense but they just kind of had to give it to someone on the Celtics and they gave it to Marcus Smart over Robert Williams like even though Marcus Smart didn't deserve the defensive player of the year he was clearly the fourth best player on that Celtic team last year and Kristaps Porzingis on this team is either the third or fourth best player on the Celtics depending on how you feel about Robert Williams at this stage of his career and Marcus Smart was pretty clearly the fourth best player on the Celtics behind Tatum, Brown, Robert Williams. That's going to be really interesting to watch because in a vacuum, it feels like an upgrade, but in practicality, that's not always the guarantee. Usually in the NBA, you can say the team who gets the best player usually ends up winning the trade, especially for a team like the Celtics, who's ready to go all in on trying to keep that window alive. But if you ask me who's the best player between Kristaps Porzingis and Marcus Smart, on paper, I'd tell you it's Kristaps Porzingis. In practice, I would say it could go either way. But I'm leaning towards Porzingis being the guy. If it had been Porzingis for Brogdon and draft picks, yeah, that would have been a really good deal by the Boston Celtics to make that work. Because if you're asking me who's the better player between Brogdon and um, Kristaps Porzingis, I will tell you Porzingis all day in, all day out. And think the Boston Celtics would feel the same way going into next season and if they lose Grant Williams they lose Grant Williams that's just part of the equation that Boston is trying to come to terms with maybe they extend Grant Williams and trade him who knows but Boston is going to come to terms with that decision as the as the days go on and I'm going to be really interested to see how they work together with Porzingis because in a vacuum that's how you build the team is by getting fringe all-stars around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum it's not upgrading from Jalen Brown that's not how they're going to get over the hump to the best team in the NBA because they were already the best team in the NBA last year in the regular season they were according to all of the analytics all the metrics they were the best team in the NBA last year in the second half of the 2022 season they had the best defense maybe in the history of the NBA 
Like Boston has been one of the three best teams each of the last two seasons, and they have met expectations. They were one of the final two teams in 2022, and they were one of the final three teams in 2023. They have not been a disappointment. They have met expectations. Now they are trying to exceed expectations, and their way of doing that is by trading for Kristaps Porzingis, and I'm really interested to see how that pieces together. And the last part of this trade is the Marcus Smart to Memphis aspect because I was surprised that Memphis bailed on Tyus Jones. In the playoffs two years ago, Tyus Jones was a big part of what they were doing once John Morant went out against the Grizzlies. And granted, it was a little bit of a lost cause by that point. The Grizzlies weren't going to beat the Warriors in that series. They needed John Morant. John Morant couldn't go. And With John Morant being suspended 25 games, I thought they were going to hang on to Tyus Jones and have him be the starting point guard. And in a vacuum, I can understand the upgrade from Marcus Smart, or from Tyus Jones to Marcus Smart as an upgrade. I was just surprised that they gave up two first round picks in order to make that upgrade. And when we talked about the Grizzlies a few weeks ago, We talked about how they have an all-NBA player at 24 years old under contract in John Morant. They have a defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson Jr. under contract for four years, I believe. John Morant is 24 years old. Jaron Jackson Jr. is 24 years old. They have two 24-year-old All-Stars, one that's won a defensive player of the year, another that has won or has made All-NBA in the not-too-distant past. And that team, and John Morant is the, we've talked about before, the face of American basketball under 25 years old. Memphis has a really good thing going, and they have all of their future draft picks at their disposal. They had ample cap space available to them. They were getting ready to sign Desmond Bain to a long-term contract extension, and that's what they were going to use part of their cap space for. And they were going to be in the market for all of the big-name superstars across the league. And Memphis made the call with all of their future first-round picks, as well as a Golden State Warriors first-round pick next year, Memphis made the call in the short term to cash in on Marcus Smart. They gave up the 25th pick in the NBA draft. They gave up the Warriors first-round pick next year to upgrade from Marcus Smart or upgrade to Marcus Smott from Tyus Jones. And I thought that was an interesting choice because I would have wanted to roll out with both Marcus Smott and Tyus Jones for next season if I'm the Memphis Grizzlies. However, in a vacuum, I understand it. Because when Marcus Smott starts at point guard for them, they're going to be fine on the offensive side of the ball. And when Ja Morant returns from his suspension, they're going to play Ja at the one, Marcus Smott at the two, uh, Desmond Bain at the three and then uh, some combination of Jaron Jackson Jr. or Steven Adams or whoever else they want to mix in there and Marcus Smart uh, fills the role that has been vacated by Dylan Brooks defensive stalwart guy who can give you volume, uh, volume scoring at a non-efficient rate but is known for his defensive abilities they traded for a Dylan Brooks that doesn't do Dylan Brooks shit. And I don't know if that was worth two first round picks, especially if it was worth two first round picks to upgrade from Marcus Smot 
or upgrade to Marcus Smart from Tyus Jones because Tyus Jones would have filled in great as the point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. But at the same time, Memphis has the ability to do this. They have all of their finances in order. They have all of their future draft picks at their disposal. They will probably cash in on those draft picks for a big name player in the not too distant future. But without a big name player on the table for them, Memphis made the call to go with the short term fix of Marcus Smott upgrading over Tyus Jones while John Morant gets suspended. And then once the postseason rolls around, they will move Marcus Smott into the Dylan Brooks role as the shooting guard who plays defense and shoots some three-pointers down on the other end of the floor. And like we talked about with the Celtics, Kristaps Porzingis will be either the third or fourth best player on the Celtics, at the very least their third scoring option. And Marcus Smott was the fourth best player on the Celtics before. And I don't know if the Celtics in a vacuum, want to make the move of a third best player for a second best player. But then when you attach the names of Porzingis and Marcus Smart, on paper, I say, yeah, Porzingis is an upgrade over Smart. And in practice, I'm going to say it's probably an upgrade, but less significant than we would like to believe it will be. And I feel the same thing for the Memphis Grizzlies in the reverse, which is upgrade paying two first round picks to upgrade from Tyus Jones to Marcus Smart feels like it's not good value and then when you put it together on the floor it might be something really valuable for Memphis and might be something that makes the loss of Dylan Brooks come a lot easier now if they had just given up two first round picks and could have rolled out both Tyus Jones and Marcus Smart hey I think that's a best of both worlds situation for Memphis But it's interesting that in the short term, without the ability to acquire a superstar or acquire a future all-star like Boston did for Porzingis, that they made the call to go get defensive guy on the perimeter who can fill in as a point guard when John Morant is suspended or out with injury, and the team will still stay pretty much afloat for the most part. I thought that was an interesting choice by the Boston's uh, by the Memphis Grizzlies and by the way the Memphis Grizzlies go from a guy who comes off the bench in Tyus Jones to a guy in Marcus Smart who will be a starter consistently throughout the lineup as their number two going forward and it's interesting to see how all of that will play out going forward for Memphis because again they have a lot of future assets at their disposal all of their future firsts and all of their future seconds they had a bonus first round pick from the Warriors as part of the Andre Iguodala trade that cleared Golden State's books when Kevin Durant left. That future draft pick, they cashed in on Marcus Smart, and they will have future draft picks to cash in as they open their win-now window, because the win-now window begins now for Memphis, and it just opened up with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. both reaching their physical primes under contract for the next four seasons both at 24 years old the window the win now window just opened up for memphis and they made a win now move to trade for marcus smart was it great value time will tell in a vacuum it doesn't sound good but then i look back and think this might be a really really great move for the memphis grizzlies so that's our deep dive on the Kristaps porzingis trade and the trade that didn't become Glad that we could share that with you guys here. We're getting set for big-time NBA free agency stuff, and 
We appreciate you always stopping into the Take It Easy podcast. We're going to have episodes three days a week. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday is our planned schedule for the time being. Make sure to leave a five-star review, a download. Any and all support on the show is greatly appreciated, and we are going to have all sorts of NBA free agency talk and news coming up here in the coming days. Maybe we'll have a big trade by the time we talk to you tomorrow. In the meantime... You can check out some of our archive podcasts. We've got thousand podcasts in the archive. Any topic you might be interested in, you scroll through, find something that interests you. You might just enjoy it. And we'll have some long-form podcasts coming at you in the following weeks. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. And in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.